Welcome to Conversation Pace. I'm your host, Brian Rossetti. It's been a little while since our last episode, but we're currently booking new guests to keep the show going this year. We've also been busy at work improving our coaching app over at V.02. Many of our upcoming guests are either coaches or athletes on the platform. So we'll be trying to gain as many insights as possible for you in each episode. In episode 34, I spoke with ultra star Jared Hazen. Jared has been competing the past 15 years, recently set up a coaching profile on our app. You can check out the link in the episode profile. I wanted to see what we could learn from his story. We discussed his trajectory to becoming one of the fastest ultra runners ever, his typical routine, and how a recent setback helped inform his future training. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Day. Yeah, so how's it going in Flagstaff? It's good. We, uh, we're having a nice winter so far. We kind of got our big snow for like a week, and now it's been really nice for the last couple of weeks. So it's been good for getting in, uh, getting in training. Yeah, so winter weather there is, is it pretty erratic? Like you can get huge snow, and then sometimes it's dry for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's about, about how it goes. Is uh, <laughs> we get, you know, we get a big snowstorm, and then, you know, weeks of sun and warm weather, and then another snowstorm, and <clears throat> we're getting pretty melted out at the moment. And there's no snow in the forecast, which is good, good for running, not so good for skiing and other winter activities in Flag. But uh, I think it's a pretty typical winter so far. You know, definitely, I think Flagstaff winters are pretty mild. Um, at least, you know, I grew up in kind of northwest Pennsylvania, and they're a lot more brutal there. <laughs> um, where in Pennsylvania? I grew up in a small town called Titusville. Um, it's kind of, it's like near Erie, um, a little bit south of Erie. So a lot of snow just from the lake or not? Yeah, yeah, like a lot of lake effect snow and stuff. and. You know, it always seems to be like gray, like all winter long, you know, and cold. Uh, so I don't miss that. It's not a big indoor track season in, in Erie, Pennsylvania, or Titusville. No, yeah. Growing up, I never, uh, I never really even knew about indoor track. <clears throat> I don't know if there's any that are available in the area, but I feel like on the East Coast, you know, there, there's, that's more of a thing, but uh, honestly, where I grew up was kind of starting to blend into the Midwest a little bit. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm pretty unfamiliar. I'm I'm actually from from Scranton, um, mm -hmm. of all places. But um, yeah, not much of an indoor track season there. Like I remember in high school, winter was just like very little running, play other sports. We did. Yeah missed out on this whole like you know train train all year all three seasons all year you know yeah yeah i remember in high school we just yeah kind of wait till spring and then like even our like outdoor track season would always kind of be like hit or miss whether it was gonna snow like the day of a track meet or something you know yeah you didn't have much time to train because like i'm assuming it's even worse for you march was terrible and then yeah you get a couple nice weeks maybe in april um yeah and all of a sudden may you're it's like championship season plus you're doing yeah. two like dual meets a week so running a couple races 
each meet it's like when do you train yeah exactly it would be finally a nice in may and then you know the season would be over (laughs) (laughs) um how long have you been in flagstaff uh i'm gonna be on five years in may i think i moved here in 2017 so crazy time flies yeah so was it just you getting into ultras that was the impetus or or you were headed that way before i'm just tell i'm just trying to figure out how you <laughs> landed in flag yeah i, I had kind of been in ultras i got into ultras pretty young um actually kind of discovered them when i was in high school and started getting into them a little bit then and uh so a little bit of a long story but i ended up in uh, i'm sure you're familiar with shippensburg university in yeah. pennsylvania Spence. Uh, yeah, with, with Coach Spence. So I was going there. I took a few years off after high school before I went to college. And in those few years, I was mainly living in Colorado Springs. And I was doing ultras then and then had kind of decided to go to college. And so I went back to Pennsylvania and picked a state school. Had plans to run run for Steve Spence at Chip, and they have a really good division two program i think the year before i showed up they were like fourth at the cross-country nationals um so i showed up there and i spent a year there but i had some problems with my eligibility because of how long i had kind of taken between high school and college and that kind of combined with once i got there it wasn't quite gonna be a great fit for me i had a fun fun year but wasn't a place I saw myself spending four years. So after that, I was kind of looking for a place to move. I wanted to move back out West. I considered going back to Colorado Springs, but uh, landed on Flagstaff. Um, I'd visited there like a year before. Um, I was friends with, with Jim Walmsley and he kind of encouraged me to move out. He was selling me on this kind of young group of guys starting to get into ultra running training together he had some friends that he was training with mainly tim ferricks and cody reed and he's like hey you should come out and join us and uh yeah so i did moved out and kind of got linked in with those guys and um that was kind of the era of coconino cowboys when we were a little <laughs> bit younger yeah what was yeah. the connection how'd you connect with jim initially I just run a race with them. We had r- raced uh, Lake Sonoma 50 miler in like uh, 2015 together. Okay. And that's how I met him. And then we stayed in touch. And I was living in Colorado Springs and he went to the Air Force Academy. And so I remember a couple of times he was like passing through town, visiting some old like college teammates and stuff. And he got a hold of me and we, we went out on some trail runs. Uh, in the springs and you know just kind of stayed in touch uh from there what how did you so i'm surprised you got into it so early usually you see someone they go through the college ranks and then eventually um so what was the hook early on into the the ultra the ultra scene yeah my path was yeah a little little unconventional um but in high school like i was a I was like a decent runner, but I wasn't great. Like I ran 942 for 3,200 meters and like 439 for 1,600 meters. So, mm-hmm. you know, probably 
probably could have found my way onto like a division two, you know, team somewhere. Um, or like maybe walked on to like a division one team. But, uh, in high school, I kind of found trail running cause we have a state park where I grew up called oil Creek state park. Um, I found myself running there a lot on these kind of single track trails that, and, and there's an ultra that takes place on those trails, um, every October. And so when I started running on the trails, I kind of like became fascinated with this race. Um, I ran like fairly high mileage in high school. Like I started running, you know, hundred mile weeks and was really into doing these long runs. And there's this big loop around the park that was like 27 miles. I remember just kind of like setting the goal to go run, run this loop. And it became a habit, a lot of weekends to go run this 27 mile loop. And I was like blown away that people would run like a hundred miles, you know, after doing that loop, I was like just destroyed. Um, so it was just, yeah, I kind of had this fascination with it. Um, and just was lucky that, you know, I was exposed to it like in high school. I feel like a lot of high schoolers probably don't even know, aren't even aware of ultra running, you know? Yeah. So, and then, so step back from there. Um, what was, was were the hundred mile weeks that early? Was it just natural or was there something that you read or you saw or were inspired by, or you just naturally gravitated towards just high mileage at that point? Um, yeah, I guess my first couple years of, of like high school running, um, I wasn't like that good. Uh, and so I was getting, I was like just getting frustrated all the time, you know, with like, getting beat and you know not not like reaching my goals and the the high school program that I was with was like very relaxed coach like kept it fun you know we maybe ran like 30 40 miles a week um and like you know we we didn't like do off-season training or anything like that so uh I just wasn't like finding a ton of success with that. Like if you were like a, a talented runner, you know, would probably have done really well there. Mm. But like, I just didn't, didn't have like a whole lot of like natural kind of talent for running. Um, so I kind of took it upon myself to just start training more just to like, uh, you know, start running more in the off season. I'd run like a little bit after practice and stuff just cause like, yeah, I wanted to, to reach some of these goals and stuff and not get beat so much. Um, <laughs> and like, I just ended up taking it to the extreme. Like that's kind of like my little bit of my personality. Like before, before I ever got into running, I played a lot of golf and I would like not just go golf, like play 18 holes. I would like golf all day. Like I'd play like 72 holes of golf in a day. <laughs> um, so that kind of like that's leaked over into running. Yeah. Like once I found out, like, oh, I can like start training more and that'll make me better. I like took it to the extreme, you know? Yeah. So you have the ability to endure great monotony. <laughs> golf, yeah. Golf, yeah. I seem to, uh, I seem to seek it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was anyone trying to talk you down? Like when they're realizing how much you're running or was it hard in terms of your <clears throat> you know, family, social, social circle, um, coach direction, like, was there a lot that you went up against 
since I'm, I'm assuming you were the only one running nearly that much or, you know, in the area or, or surrounding you at that time, right? Yeah. Uh, my high school coach was like pretty understanding and like he, he was a competitive like marathoner himself and he'd even like dabbled a little bit in ultra running. And so he was like, you know, I think he was pretty familiar with you know, high volume training and stuff. And he was like, kind of like gave me the reins and was like, do, you know, be careful if, if you want to run this much, like it's fine by me. But you know, the, the biggest thing you got to make sure is that like you're staying healthy and in high school, I was like super durable. I never got injured. And then, um, kind of got linked up with this local runner. Uh, his name is Jeff Nelson back in, uh, in Titusville. And he had like previously coached the high school team, uh, like many years before I was ever on the team. And, uh, like he, he had a daughter who was on the track team who was around my age and somehow he got wind of it that I was running this much. And he was like into the trail and ultra running at the time. And so we started linking up a lot and going through runs and he was kind of like my, my like mentor. And, um, like if anybody had an eye on me, it was him. And I think, you know, my parents and like, you know, my coach kind of trusted this guy enough to, you know, look after me a little bit, be, be a bit of a mentor. And then what was the break? Like, I was surprised to hear you said you took a break after high school. Um, so you didn't competitively, that didn't lead you to run immediately in college right after high school. So what was the, what was the break about? Was that, you know, getting away from running or was it the running that actually, the ultra that actually steered you away from competitive running in college initially? Yeah, it's kind of the, you know, ultra running had kind of sunk in its claws in me a bit. <laughs> You know, a lot of the, a lot of ultra running is, is really, um, I guess I would say like more popular, like in the West or, you know, that's kind of where the big events are. That's where a lot of the top athletes train or, you know, in the mountains and stuff. And I had never like been West before, never been to like a place like Colorado or, or Arizona. So in high school, when I when I started getting into ultra running and kind of started following the sport a little bit, I I just really wanted to to kind of see what was, you know, what what the Rocky Mountains were like and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I didn't really have much of an interest anymore in and like going to college and you know sticking around Pennsylvania and uh, just did you know go going to like an out-of-state school was is like can be pretty prohibitive and stuff and so you know my options at the time kind of seemed like i uh, go to you know school in pennsylvania you know or or go you know see see what else is out there and so uh oddly enough my my first kind of foray into, into the west was I, I took a housekeeping job and uh Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming nice. and I like lived in the park and like these employee dorms for the summer and like cleaned cabins and and ran a bunch in the mountains and I thought it was so cool and then after that I uh, moved to Colorado Springs and kind of made that home base so yeah I was just instead of you know going to college right away just kind of decided to yeah just see what else was out there you know it wasn't wasn't a 
decision to like try to be a professional runner, like professional ultra runner by any means. It was you know? when you were in the park and you're working like the, the first job after high school, you weren't, your goal wasn't to be a pro and to get a contract and, and do all that. Yeah. I mean, I just didn't know about that at the time, really. Like mm. I was like, I wanted to be competitive, you know, like the kind of competitive part of me from like high school running has definitely like, uh, transitioned to ultras where I wanted to do well, but I didn't know that you could like do well and then like get a contract and stuff. And this was also in like 2013 was when I graduated. Yeah. And like contracts then existed, but like not the way that they do now, you know, in yeah. ultra running. So, uh, I just kind of got into the, you know, into some some competitive races like over the next couple of years and um you know slowly kind of realized that that could be a you know professional running could be an avenue and uh eventually kind of found my way into it you know in like 2016 or so 17 that's when it became more competitive yeah like i guess it just took me a while like you know took a few years like accrue some notable enough results and stuff to where i was going to get a contract and so i signed with hoka in like 2017 was like the first year so it just took a while you know to to get get to that level and start kind of knocking down some some good results and were you working with the coach at all then or just all self-trained and just doing your own workouts. Uh, yeah, I was just kind of self-trained and, uh, you know, definitely just learned, like, tried to pick up anything I could from, like, you know, anything on the internet, blogs. Uh, yeah. Like, blogs are really popular with ultra runners, kind of in that that time frame, and YouTube, uh, magazine articles, like all that stuff, podcasts. I would just try to, you know. So you like what are the, what are the top guys in the sport doing and try to incorporate and uh you know try to you know <laughs> ended up trying a bunch of different things um and you know tried to find find some things that worked for me along the way um and yeah found found some success kind of through that and uh I had a I had a coach when I was thinking about transitioning back to you know going to run in college I actually was when I got kind of my first coach after high school and that was uh Michael H. He's a mm -hmm. yeah, you know, Olympian for New Zealand a couple of times and yeah. he had like I'd met him because he had gotten into ultra running a little um kind of at the end of his career. Uh and so like yeah, I just asked him to like help me out with that. Um but it was funny because it was like you know, I wasn't asking him to help me with ultra running. I was asking him to help me like be, you know, kind of a traditional runner again. You were, so you felt like, that's interesting. So you did kind of come back towards one, you mean on the roads or, or the track or? Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he helped me. Like I did some road races, like some five K's and 10 K's and, you know, mm -hmm. had this plan of running at ship. Um, so he was kind of trying to like help me, like, you know, just get back to some of the speed, speed work and stuff that, you know, is necessary for like five K, 10 K. Um, so we worked together for a little while, um, just to kind of 
so I was kind of going backwards, you know, like I was going from ultra to like 5k. <laughs> um, so he, he helped me out with that. Um, and then it ended up all being a little bit for nothing because <laughs> I didn't run in college and kind of went straight back to ultra. So, yeah. So, well, quickly, like putting your coaching hat on and also just from your experience, um, is there value? Do you think it's helpful to bounce back and forth in terms of getting out on the roads and focusing on getting faster for shorter distances, maybe then going back to more of a, a trail ultra focus is the, is there value have, have you done that have you found it helpful or at the end of the day it's just if you're going to be doing western states you got to you know train like it's western states all the time do you know what i mean yeah no i i think there's value in it for sure um and and going back and forth and uh i think a really good example is like you look at what jim's done jim walmsley uh, in the past few years, like, you know, training for the marathon and like going to the trials, like, I think it was great for him. Um, and then like, he went back to States and like crushed it again, you know? So I, I think, you know, varying your training is really important. Um, the thing with, with like trail and ultra is like, you, you can do that without, without like going to the roads and doing a workout, you know? like you can like run up like uphill hard on a trail at like 7,000 feet. And yeah, you can kind of get those same benefits of, mm -hmm. you know, without doing like specifically like five times one mile, you know, mm -hmm. you could do like a more of a fart, like style workout on a trail. Um, but I think it is fun. Like if you, you're, if you go ahead. No, I was going to say, do you see it as a model or is it just a gym? Like are there other, athletes doing it or is it just gym as a different animal and that's kind of unique i think you see you know a lot of other athletes doing it um okay like uh i guess i'm kind of picking another anomaly here but like killian Jornet is another guy who he'll switch between like the harder rock 100 which is a 20-hour race versus like some of these classic like european kind of mm marathon distance mountain races where they're like three hours long and so really high intensity um I, you know you definitely and ultra guys all the time are like keeping their kind of foot in the road running scene and like you know kind of going after olympic trials qualifiers and stuff you see that a lot anytime the trials coming up it's like you'll you'll see 10 to 20 ultra guys in the field um yeah, I think it's, I think it's important. You know, you don't want to be so, so like if you, if you, you know, training for a race like Western States and you're just for years, just trying to get good at that. It's like, what else, what do you do beyond that? You know, that's a pretty niche thing to be good at. Right. You know, a, a runnable hundred. Um, so I think it's good to, good to try different events and like, you know, doing some of these like shorter workouts, working on your VO2 max or working on your lactate threshold, like I think having the goal of like a shorter race, you know, kind of encourages you to like actually do the work and take it seriously, you know, and you do a shorter race, like maybe it's not your strong suit, but like, you know, you gave it, you, you trained for it properly, you gave it a good effort and like kind of encourages you to do that, that work that you wouldn't otherwise do. But do you do them 
do you have to separate them? Like, like if you're training for Western States, are you incorporating that type of stuff along the way, or is it just too difficult for the type of work you have to do and recover from to then, you know, hit the track and, you know, run VO2 max intervals or reps or something like that, or do a, you know, do you know what I mean? Is it, is it? Yeah. Separate? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think it's like, um, you know, there's like a time for it. And so like, you know, if it's the month before Western state that you're probably not going to be doing, you know, VO2 max intervals, but like in March, maybe you are, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I work, uh, I, I started working with, uh, coach Jason Coop, who's kind of a really well-known ultra coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started working together this past like fall and that's a big, uh, big strategy of his is like, you know, you, you do your most specific work closest to the race. So yeah, around, you know, if I'm running Western States in May and June, I'm doing a lot of long runs, a lot of endurance work, but like, you know, yeah, there's, there's times for like low volume and VO2 max, like far away from the race. And you kind of build on that. It's like, okay, this isn't necessarily super specific to the race I'm training for, but it's good for my overall fitness. It's going to benefit me. Like, you know, when I move into, you know, threshold training and then, you know, my threshold is when you start getting toward threshold, it's like, all right, that's actually getting pretty close to useful for me, you know, in, uh, especially in like a, 50 mile or hundred K race, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you're just like kind of pure endurance, like, um, you know, you kind of build like one, one step at a time, you know? Is it, is it, um, is it hard? Like when you are working on speed kind of early, does that, does it mess with you when you get out on the trail and it becomes more technical that now you're fast, right? Like, do you, <laughs> Have you found in some of these long ultras that um, the danger, right, is is maybe getting out too too fast or getting out a little ahead of yourself because you do have that? Yeah, you have like so much like fitness that you're like the the early paces feel easy. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I guess to an extent, but like you know, if you're in the sport long enough, like it, it doesn't take long for you to realize that like kind of what's appropriate and what isn't you know like you go out too hard one race like you, you start to understand like it gets miserable pretty quick sure. you know um it really it really doesn't take that long like if you were out like too hard in a 100k race you're kind of going to be feeling it like 20 miles in you know like because that's a long way already but like you have so much longer to go um yeah so i, I don't you know, I don't really find that to be, you know, too much of a problem. Um, like, pa- like pacing in general is just like, you know, you, you just, if you just rationally think about how far you're running that day, you should be able to understand that maybe you shouldn't be running like, you know, as hard as you can or like 90 or 80% of like as hard as you can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about long long runs because um there's always the question especially with recreational marathoners right so we deal with a lot of them on 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 vdot and the the big question is always how many long runs or how far should certain individuals uh, go in their build up 
for the marathon. I remember we had um, we had Rob Krar speak at at a coaching clinic we did many years ago at Goo Energy Labs um, mm-hmm. that Magdalena Abule hosted us, and um, the big question was like how Jack was making some kind of point about he doesn't like certain individuals running longer than two and a half hours leading up to the marathon, which depending on their pace might leave them with a 16, 70 mile long run. Yeah. And so the, the concern is like, you know, how can I be confident that I'm going to finish the marathon? And so someone asked Rob, you know, what was your longest run? I think he had just won Western States or maybe. Yeah. Maybe the second time, I forget. But anyway, he said 30 miles was his longest training run. And there was a little bit of a gas because the crowd was mixed. It was like an old half ultra crowd and then half, you know, there were high school coaches, college. There was some just private coaches that deal with recreational marathoners. So there was a little bit like, whoo, only. Yeah. And Jack yeah. was like, see, I told you, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just curious what your perspective is and, and how far you know if you want to talk about how far sometimes you go before you've run is it still the second fastest western states time yeah yeah um so you know, it, yeah i think when it comes I, to <laughs> I you know i i do that kind of little i'd read that somewhere that little story you told about rob about only running you know only <laughs> like i think i have the same you know mentality like jack like only running 30 miles before Western States. Um, yeah, I think for, for a lot of competitive ultra runners, that's probably on the low end of things um, for a long run that they would do um, before a hundred mile race. But like Rob's one of the best like to ever run Western States, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, I think with ultra running specifically, and, and this probably speaks to marathoning as well is like a lot of it comes from experience. So if you do one or you do a couple, you start to know that like, okay, I can do it. And you don't need to prove it to yourself in training because you've done it before. When it's your first time, I kind of understand the wanting to go the distance to prove that, you know, to yourself that you're ready. Yeah. Um, Personally, uh, you know, one of my longest long runs um you know before i before states that i do you know most years is uh rim to rim to rim in the grand canyon and that's yeah about an eight hour run and about 43 miles um and you know that's probably not always necessary um but i do like the you know one thing you kind of get from that is you do get to feel a little bit what you're going to feel like in the second half of the race which is that's just hard to come by you know like it's it's really hard to prepare for that uh in normal in normal trading um so i like that i like that part of it is you you get to you get a little taste of you know what what you're going to be dealing with in the second half of 100 but um do you do jared do you do big back-to-backs or like um leading up to like a 43 miler like that what how much are you running leading up to is do you bunch you know to to help simulate that yeah like um you're out there in the in the ultra 
yeah usually like a run like like that rim to rim to rim is kind of a standalone you know i won't try to stack anything before or after it generally it's going to be part of a you know a big volume week in general but it like you know not necessarily doing uh anything before or after to make it any more difficult but um yeah another one that i've done a lot is uh back-to-back 30 mile runs so i'll do one in the grand canyon to cottonwood camp ground and back on the kaibab trail and the next day just like around town like a flat 30 mile run where it's like it, it you know you you can run seven minute pace eight minute pace on these trails after you know a 30 mile run in the canyon and, and it's like a little bit easier you know because you're not doing all this elevation change um you know that's probably more of a confidence booster than anything um uh and like you i'm sure you know you get a, a training stimulus out of it but uh just generally kind of total run volume throughout the week is it's going to give you the strength that you need for an ultra um and then i when you're doing the, the back-to-back long runs i think it's more of a, a confidence thing and like an experience of uh you know how are you going to fuel and feel when you're tired which is beneficial you know for when you're getting ready for a 100 mile race but like the actual training stimulus of it like i don't think it's like a magic pill by any means yeah and then what about what are the tricks to handling about obviously you've been doing this for a long time but i think it's helpful for listeners I mean, many have not done ultras but i guess um something that might be transferable to all runners is is the balance maintaining the balance recovering being able to stay consistent what are mm-hmm. some tricks that you've learned helps you, you know, bounce back after a back-to-back 30 or, you know, a huge long run in the canyon or a big mileage week? Like what keeps you um, going? What keeps you, you know, physically healthy while you're enduring all that? Any tricks, anything that you've learned that, that's helpful? Um, obviously you have a big base, so that's, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's like, you know, the, the number one thing is just like how long you've been in the sport, you know, the longer you've been in the sport, like the less likely you're, you are to get injured, you know, and that's certainly been the case for me. Like I, when I first got into ultra running, I was pretty durable. And then I, I really pushed things like, especially from a volume perspective. And, um, you know, I got injured. I had like a sacral stress fracture and a femoral uh, neck stress fracture both in one year. Um, Oof. and I was like those are pretty nasty injuries you know but like I was just doing it like it wasn't it wasn't necessarily because I was susceptible to injury it was just because I was do- I was training too much um and so like you know experience goes a long way and like I've, I've been pretty healthy for the last uh these three three or so years now three or four years um but you know one thing I think about a lot um when I'm kind of executing training is like pick the days of the week that I know are important. So if I have a workout or a long run, if I'm doing back-to-back long runs, I give all of my, you know, physical and mental energy to those days. I go to bed early, you know, I, I get up early, 
to go do the runs and kind of, you know, invested in those runs. And then when I have a recovery day, I don't like, I'm, I'm fortunate that I, you know, I don't have a job, but like, I don't set an alarm on those days. I wake up when I feel like it. I get out the door. I have a slow morning. If I feel like it, I'll get out the door and I'll just run based on feel that day, you know, instead of, I don't think, you know, every single day you don't have to be like super, super into it. You know, I try to save that kind of focus and intensity for like a few days a week. And then the rest of the day is just, uh, you know, don't think about it too much and just go get the training in and come home and, uh, you recover, you know, fuel up, but like, yeah, not, not overthinking anything. Yeah. Well, let me get into just details. See if we can pull anything out here. That's, that's even more helpful sleep. What, what do you typically average per night? Uh, I would say like nine to 10 hours of sleep. Like I, I get to bed at like probably around 10, 10 PM most nights and wake up around seven or eight. Um, and you know, I'm just like consistent with it. Uh, that's the thing. It's like a lot of people probably struggle with like, you know, they have families and work obligations and stuff. And, yeah, you know, for me, it's easy. Like I, you know, I don't have a whole a lot of other things to distract me from getting to bed on time, but I could see, you know, having a child that, you know, that's going to be a little harder, harder for you. So you know, I don't think there's any sort of magic number, you know, I'm, I'm sure plenty of people could, could get by, you know, on seven hours of sleep. I think the consistency part of it is probably the most important part is like mm. that you're kind of doing the same thing, like every, every night, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. What about nutrition? Anything um, special and what's your perspective on nutrition? What do you do? Anything perspective on vitamins, anything that's supplemental that you believe in or that has helped or yeah that? i'm not not you know i don't follow a very strict diet um i think the most important part is like you know especially when i'm training a lot is just eating enough and yeah. you know that that takes like that can take a little bit of effort you know <laughs> beyond just like eating when you're hungry you know like uh you know you, maybe you're you're probably eating more than three meals a day stuff like that yeah. um so I think like just getting in enough is kind of, for me, is rule number one or, you know, guideline number one is try to get in enough. And like that just leaves room for a lot, you know, like, oh, I'll, I'll eat a salad with dinner, but I'll also eat ice cream after. Um, like desserts are staple for me when I'm training a lot, just because it's like, you know, kind of feels like I'm topping off the tank, you know, not going to bed hungry. Um uh and i try to be really good about eating something after a run like after every run even if it's only an hour um just like a lot of times i make a smoothie but it doesn't have to be that like it could even just be like a candy bar or something or like after long runs or like a soda and a bag of chips it's really good <laughs> um <laughs> you, you know you raid the gas station that you're close to <laughs> what's your go-to uh Candy bar here. Are we old school? Um, oh, like a, like definitely like a Snickers or something. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah. like, you know, after like a long run, 
especially like long runs in the heat and stuff and you're eating a lot of gels like you're always a little nauseous after yeah and it's always like junk food that tastes the best you know like you don't want to you don't want to eat like i'll always like pack like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and almost never eat it after a long run because it's like i don't want that i want like a bottle of coke and potato chips um and like that that goes down well yeah. I remember doing a really hard workout when I was young, um, when I was at Zap Fitness, and I just felt so depleted for whatever reason. All I could think of was like a Whopper. Um, yeah. And like a Whopper and fries. And I don't know the last time, like before that, when I had fast food, and maybe it was just a commercial I had seen that kind of was in the <laughs> you know like like planted that seed and i just really need, probably just needed a ton of salt you know but yeah uh, but my coach was great he was i was just like kind of feeling bad because we were really focused on healthy eating and watching what we were eating and he's like Dude, just go get it you know your body's telling you something and i was just like my eyes like lit up <laughs> i drove right yeah. in and, and got a whopper and then i felt terrible after <laughs> yeah there's a there's a a burger well not a burger place kind of a butcher shop and like sandwich shop in Flagstaff called proper meats and uh that's like my go-to as i go they have like these huge burgers and like that's like a go-to after a long run for me and like these like yeah burger and a bag of chips and yeah. that like it's like brings me back to life like i'll feel so bad and then afterwards i feel like kind of normal again sure um, but like when you're running a lot I, I feel like you i've never had a problem like losing weight like it, it seems like for me it's like hard to keep it on you know and, yeah. and i definitely like when i take time off like i gain weight too um and it, it always goes away eventually so i don't i don't focus on it too much yeah there's that's a yeah it seems like not too much of a focus what about um when it comes to recovery tools, are you using anything, um, whether it's like a whoop band or um, anything in terms of recovery tools, gadgets, devices, apps, anything, anything like that uh, special? I don't, I don't really use too much of the like tracking stuff, like sleep tracking things. Um, yeah. You know, like I, I can tell like most mornings, you know, like as soon as I wake up, kind of if I'm tired that day or not, um, like if I'm ready for, for a hard run or not. And yeah, you know, I, I, I tend to get myself in trouble when it's like, um, I'm tired today. And I'm like, you know, like, uh, you know, oftentimes I convince myself too much that it's like, well, you're supposed to be because you're training for a hundred mile race and you're going to be tired then too. So, um, you know, go do the training anyway. And, you know, I could afford to listen to those, signals more um but uh, yeah i don't i don't use anything too particular uh you know i have like standard fare of rollers and stuff like that that uh you know try to work work out any any little tight spots and stuff before they become problems keeping it simple yeah yeah Uh, and then what what are your goals now I'm, i'm sure i've been trying to you didn't give me much to go from 
on your social, I wanted to ask you the after Western States, the last one you ran, um, which you dropped, right? Um, yeah. In that 2021. Was, yeah, I wasn't sure. I, I haven't seen you post much on social. Is that is that um, is that on purpose? Is it like I need to get off social and and focus? It's consuming too much of my time, or you're just not. Um, part of your yeah, I get. I've never been a big social guy, honestly. Um, yeah. uh, it's just, it doesn't like suit my personality super well. Um, but like, you know, you're definitely, when you're representing brands, you're encouraged to kind of build a, sure, you know, following and a, you know, kind of storytell and keep, keep your followers updated with, with what you're doing. I've just been bad at it. And, uh, it is something that, uh, moving forward this year, uh, hopefully I'll be a little better at, um, I've been dragging my feet first week of the year, but, uh, <laughs> hopefully it'll come around here. And then, um, but yeah, after, you know, States last year was a tough one for me just cause in 2019, I'd take it second, ran the second fastest time, had, had a great race and, you know, like I felt like there was more on the table, you know, I was 24 then. Yeah. Uh, the year, you know, was canceled last year or in 2020 because of the pandemic coming back two years later, thinking like, okay, like I'm ready to, to improve, to try to win this year. Um, and I, I got like really focused on, you know, Western States, uh, you know, early in the year last year, the pandemic was, you know, February, March it was still pretty bad, you know, like a lot of races weren't happening. And so I just kind of buckled down. I was like, I'm getting ready for States. And kind of like what we talked about earlier is I, I didn't really vary my training enough. Like I was, I was kind of laser focused on just getting ready for this, this race, but it was at the end of June and I started training for it in February. Um, and that, that ended up coming back to bite me because I got in great shape. Like I was doing some great training in flag and a lot on routes that I've done a ton of times feeling really good, but I, I just got in shape like too early, you know, by the time like race day came around, like I, I was just a bit flat and, um, you know, had this mentality of like, I'm, I want to win this year. And I didn't listen to myself, like didn't listen to my body. It's not feeling good. The first 50 K but still like pushing faster than the year, you know, I'd run 1426. It's like, well, if you're not feeling good, why, why, well, you know, why are you running that fast? Um, and yeah. end up, I ended up dropping out and, um, I just felt, I was just a little overtrained, um, for sure. And that, that lingered with me through the summer. And I had another race, uh, CCC in Chamonix that I honestly gave like a, half-hearted effort to like I just shouldn't have even you know went went to the race like um but you know went anyway and um didn't finish that race and so uh but I I was kind of like already registered for it and you know expected to be there so after that I felt like okay I can take I can like I have nothing on the schedule I can take time off and so just took a month off in September completely like no running yeah yeah no running um 
and like I was pretty out of shape come October. Uh, and I started working with Jason. Jason and we, uh, we started slow, you know, it wasn't running super high volume or anything. And, uh, but like, yeah, we were kind of doing some of that higher intensity stuff that we were talking about earlier. And it took me a while, but like finally started feeling like I was getting in shape again in December and like feeling really good now. Um, as we do start to hit some of the, you know, some of the volume that I'm, you know, that's kind of my, where my talent lies a little. Um, yep. and so I'm feeling good and I'm going to race flat Canyon hundred K, which is just down the road bike staff here, um, on February 12th and try to get a golden ticket to Western States again. So that's kind of, that's the goal, but yeah, what's immediately coming up. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So if I, if I get top two, I'll get a ticket into Western States and I kind of another fun thing that's like completely separate from Western States is this year I'm going to participate in the golden trail series, mm. which is kind of like the premier circuit of shorter trail races, kind of like marathon length trail races. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to run Segama, which is uh, kind of a classic mountain race in Spain um, at the end of May. So that'll be something I do like right before States. And and then the series continues. I'll take a little bit of time to focus on States recovery afterwards. And then I'll hit um, two of the races that are happening in the U.S., which is the Pikes Peak Ascent. And um, and there's actually a race happening in Flagstaff. Um like in uh, August and September, which will be part of the series again. Oh, what's so, that in Flagstaff? It's like the Sky Peaks 26K, I think. Okay. Uh, happens like, takes place like around Snowball, like the runs on the Arizona Trail and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, that'll be uh, kind of after, after like last year, you know, being so focused on like the long trail. I really want to vary my schedule and kind of get back to some of the faster, uh, more intense running. And like, kind of, I think it'll help a lot with, uh, just general fitness. And then, you know, hopefully kind of give me a little jump for, for Western States too. Yeah, that's great, man. That's, I mean, the setbacks are, they stink, but it sounds like you've, you've learned from it. So that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, we'll be excited to kind of watch how things go. Um, so let me just close out any, any books, podcasts, anything you've read recently that, um, you would recommend to listeners. Just curious. Yeah. Um, well, one book that, uh, I think is, is great, especially kind of speaking to the all training crowd is, uh, my, my coach Jason Coop has a book called training essentials for all runners. Second edition just came out. Um, so people can check out that. It's a pretty like kind of thorough, uh, I guess it's like encyclopedia for ultra runners, you know, like it's yeah. kind of cover, covers everything. And another book that I've read, uh, that again, like kind of speaking to the ultra crowd is, uh, the athlete's gut. Mm. And it kind of, spe- it talks a lot about like, uh, you know, just nutrition, uh, for, for runners and uh you know that's if anybody's looking into like 
starting ultra running, I, I, that is like the most difficult thing to figure out is, is the nutrition piece. Yeah. So that book's a pretty good resource. Athlete's gut. Yeah. Do you know? Uh, I have it on my bookshelf. I can, I can find it. Well, I'll mention it. Uh, Wilson. Let's see. Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Okay. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then, you know, as the pandemic drags on, um, the never ending pandemic, what let's close on a, on a more grateful, grateful note. Um, anything you're optimistic about at this time heading into the new year? Um, not to put you on the spot, but just no, yeah. Um, I'm I'm actually moving forward with a new kind of primary sponsor this year and heading oh. into the next few years. You caught me a little early. I haven't we haven't quite made the announcement yet, so I'll leave okay. it a secret for now. Yeah, but uh, I'll you know that'll be something I'll announce like on my social channel soon. But uh, you know I'm just grateful to yeah have that kind of support and like the fact that I've been in Flagstaff for you know, going on five years and still have this opportunity to train full time, to race all over the world. Like, you know, it's the opportunity of a lifetime and it feels pretty sweet to be able to have done it, you know, for this long and looking like I'll get to do it for a while longer. So that's I'm awesome. grateful for that. Yeah. Congrats. So we'll, you said you're going to make an announcement soon on social this week or next week. Uh, I'd say next week is probably a little safer uh, <laughs> bet. <laughs> All right, so we'll we'll link to your social, and obviously anyone listening can um, keep an eye on it. That's exciting. Yeah. So, how about you? Anything you're looking forward to this year? <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to. Well, we've got a lot going on with the app, um, and so mm-hmm. we're we've got a bunch of new features coming. I appreciate you turning that question around on me um, because I can plug some some stuff on the app. But uh, we've got a bunch of coaching features coming, so it it makes it a little bit more interesting to program strength, cycling, swimming. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's just kind of very simple. Obviously, we're a running app, but yeah. Strength workouts, you'll be able to create sets and reps and um, different types of rest um, between mm-hmm. and almost like you're creating a, a quality session on, on VDOT. And then cycling, you'll be able to do the same and, and apply zones because we do get a lot of multi-sport athletes on the app um, more so. And I think we'll probably get more. And then obviously coaches program cross-training and some, yeah. Some like to do a little bit more than hey, you know, go cycle, you know, 30 yeah, minutes right. for recovery. And um we're hoping to get into analytics, like finally get into tracking, being able to look at more summary data in terms of how much you've run compared to the past and mm-hmm. you know, whether it's monthly, yearly, uh, maybe how much intensity you did over the you know, certain period of time versus others. So you can make more informed, you know, coaching decisions. Yeah. Uh, you know, how much time did you spend at the threshold? Maybe this build up versus last could be 
super informative versus just, you know, how many miles did I run? Um, yeah. So things like that we're kind of excited about. I, I think we hope to get sync with the Apple Watch too this year. So um, I'm excited that, you know, running the sport will come back more. I think hopefully after this wave, I'm optimistic that as bad as as this wave seems to be that maybe it's a sign that um you know we're headed towards the back end of this thing finally but yeah we've heard predictions the last two years so right yeah i I mean nobody nobody seems to really know but i'm kind of in the same boat as you you know it seems like yeah yeah you know things took a real bad turn here this winter but it does seem like you know maybe this is the year that we really get control of this thing yeah i hope so jared appreciate talking to you and taking the time out um we'll look out for this announcement coming and uh we'll be we'll be cheering on this year yeah thanks i appreciate it it's uh good chatting awesome